Welcome to Basecamp, where men join together to seek deeper understanding of authentic menhood and apply principles from God's Word to our daily lives. If you're looking for the next level in men's ministry, join us and experience a life of Christian fellowship with men sold out for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May God be praised. And James, and uh, how he seized and arrested his defense and credentials and stuff like that. So my first slide was my scene setter slide, and it basically was talking about all that he'd done up to this point that a lot of my brothers have already covered in previous lessons. He was on the move spreading the gospel. Previous uh, speakers talked about his life and journeys and uh, the many places he traveled, spreading the gospels in places like Corinth, Ephesus, and Philippi. Um, Acts records at least three separate missionary journeys that Paul made. And uh, his missionary journeys helped spread the gospel to the... Uh, to the ancient world and throughout most of it, Asia Minor and Europe. Uh, so we owe a lot to Paul on spreading the gospel to the Gentiles. Over the course of his ministry, they said he traveled over 10,000 miles and established at least 14 churches along the way. But I will uh, tell you that Paul was human like us, so he got discouraged. He'd go and he'd build a church, and then he'd, he'd go back, and, and when he went and visited the church again, they'd fallen away. And they didn't always stick with, you know, uh, what his plan was for them. And he got frustrated, just like we do, uh, sometimes discouraged and afraid. And uh, to help encourage Paul, the Lord Jesus met him several times along the way in his journey, and we'll talk about that more um, as we go. But the Lord Jesus was there to encourage him, and he's there to encourage us every day. We might not have an appearance or a vision of Jesus, but what we do have is the Word of God. And this word is powerful, it's living, and it is there for us whenever uh, we are in need or in doubt or we're discouraged. There's something in this that will, will help us. So I know we look at some of the guys in the Bible, some of the apostles, and we say, wow, we've never seen Jesus. You know, some of the proofs that they had of Jesus just appearing and stuff, we don't always get to see that. But we do have the Word of God now, thanks to Paul and many others like him who wrote the Bible for us. So Paul returned to Jerusalem. This next slide I have, just vision it. I had a map showing his third missionary journey ending in uh, Jerusalem. Luke describes Paul as a hero on the offensive. Uh, he took bold in initiatives to evangelize the uh, Asia Minor and Greece while he was out there. He was returning from his third missionary journey now. His career abruptly changed once he got to Jerusalem, though. Instead of being on the offensive, Paul found himself on the defensive and mistreated when he was there. Years previous, Jesus met Paul on the road to Damascus, but when, when Paul went back to Jerusalem, Jesus said to him, Quick, leave Jerusalem immediately, because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. So that kind of set his journey uh, to go to the Gentiles. Can you imagine what was going through Paul's mind? I have another little picture on this slide of Paul on a boat heading into Jerusalem, just looking at the shore. And I know how that felt coming back from deployments, being away from my family for six months at a time or however long, and knowing you're coming home and you're up uh, manning the rails, uh, just looking at the shoreline, getting closer and closer, and how exciting that can be. But for Paul, I don't know if he was always excited. You know, he had a lot, he, he remembered what Jesus told him. They're not going to accept what, I, what you say about me here. So what Jesus told him previously was probably still fresh in his mind. And so maybe there was a little fear, a little discouragement coming back to Jerusalem. 
So his second day back, once he's arrived in Jerusalem, he visits James. And this is the brother of Jesus and, uh, and the elders. A little about James first. James was the recognized leader of the church in Jerusalem. And uh, he was also the, the worldwide uh, Jewish Christian community leader, if you want to look at it like that. Paul and James were the representative leaders of the two different Christianities, the Jewish and the Gentile. So them coming together uh, was kind of a nice meeting of the minds, but not always in agreement on everything. Paul and his friends, like I said, were received warmly at first, and they were welcomed gladly by the church. Paul then told them all that God had done through him and his other followers and the Gentiles uh, as they traveled around on these different journeys. Him and his companions shared and how many Many learned about the good news of Jesus. And when they heard this, Paul and the elders praised God. But then they said to Paul, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to the customs. What shall we do? They will certainly hear that you've come. So what do we tell you? They had a real issue believing that Paul was teaching those Jews that lived in those outer areas, along with the Gentiles, uh, not to follow all the customs and laws of Moses. So they kind of, uh, they kind of thought it was okay that he teaches the Gentiles some of those things, because they'd already previously said that the Gentiles didn't have to get circumcised anymore and some other things. But now they're saying that he was teaching the Jews that, and they weren't very happy about that. Uh, they were consumed by living by the law. They miss the freedom that comes with Jesus in many ways by doing this. Their obsessive adherence to the law did not allow them to fully open their minds and hearts. And sometimes I wonder myself, you know, am I, am I kind of being, uh, you know, a, uh, a Pharisee? Am I, am I trying to make sure I go to church every Sunday and i got to serve here? And Am I tithing? Am I doing all the things that I need to do to make me uh, that follower that I need to be more like Jesus? Or is my heart right with Jesus, and am I searching for that relationship with him? And those are the things that are really important. Paul was asked to undergo a series of purification rites uh, with some of the others to appease the masses to show that he was a practicing Jew. And as we know, Paul, Paul would do this. He would be whoever he needed to be to make sure people got the gospel and understood the gospel and got the message. You know, to the Gentile, he'd be like the Gentile. To the Jew, he'd be like the Jew. So he had no problems doing this. He was a Jew after all, right? So my next slide, I have a nice comparison of James and Paul, just to show some of the, the differences here. And the comparison, both of these guys were giants and leaders in the two different respect, respective Christian communities, the Jewish and the Gentile. One of the bigger disagreements between them both was always salvation and justification. Was it by works or was it by faith? Well, James, as we know, thinks it's by worth, by works, and not just faith alone. And then uh, that's not what Paul was preaching. So Paul said, uh, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law or without works. So there's always just a little bit of tension and understanding uh, that, that they had to work through. Observing Jewish laws and customs was another sticking point in the area for tension between them. You know, circumcision, uh, you know, the way animals are eaten, you know, a lot of things like that. Paul was obviously a lot more tolerant than a lot of the Jewish Christians living in Jerusalem uh, because he had to work so closely with the Gentile believers. So Paul went to the temple 
to be a good Jew and to show that uh, he was going to go through the purification rites to show his obedience to the law and to give an offering. And some of the Jews, it says in the word from the province of Asia, stirred up the crowd with lies. And they seized Paul. They claim this is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law in this place, which was the temple. That sounds like some of the, uh, the blasphemy type accusations that were levied against, against Jesus and also against Stephen the martyr that we talked about previously. And he brought Greeks into the temple and defiled it. And that was not true. Paul had Greeks along with him on the journey, but he didn't take any of them into the temple. Matter of fact, they had signs up in the temple that said, if you're not a Jew, you can't come beyond this part in the temple, or you may be killed. So he didn't bring any Greeks, but they levied that accusation against him. But the Roman soldiers saved him as they got stirred up, and they were coming after him. They dragged him out of the temple, and they were going to kill him. But the Roman soldiers heard of the uproar, and they were there to quell any uprisings. So there's about a 1,000 soldiers, Roman soldiers, stationed in the city nearby, and uh, they grabbed Paul and saved him. But on the way, as they were taking Paul into the Roman barracks, which was the fortress of Antonia, he asked the commander if he could speak to the crowd. And so Paul kind of waved at him and everything, and uh, he began speaking in Aramaic, and the crowd was just definitely silent, silent at that point. He was polite, and he was respectful in his introduction, he opened with proper titles, brothers and fathers, giving, showing respect to the older gentlemen uh, in the crowd. He told his story and he laid out the credentials as a Jew and the crowd listened intently and closely. Paul had the crowd's attention up to, the point, up to this point, but started to lose him when he started sharing how he'd met Jesus along the road to Damascus. And uh, The crowd still listened to Paul. Until he said, then the Lord said, go, I'll send you far away to the Gentiles. And they just kind of got enraged again and wanted to, to kill him again. So the Romans dragged him into the uh, fortress of Antonia to uh, uh, find out who exactly he was, because they weren't sure either at the time. Paul, he had a lot of credentials as a Jew to prove to them. So these are some of the things that he told him on the steps. He definitely had the pedigree. He had all the proper credentials to prove he was a loyal Jew. He spoke Aramaic first and foremost, so that, that got their attention. Uh, he was still a loyal Jew. He was a Jew by birth, right? He was born in Tarsus, uh, which was uh, in the province of Cilicia. Uh, he was a Jew by education. He was brought up uh, as a Pharisee and became a Pharisee, so he knew all the laws. And by citizenship, he was a Roman citizen. His father had passed that down to him. So he was by birth a Roman citizen and also a citizen of Tarsus. So by training and education, he was without a, uh, without a doubt a Jew, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He claimed that he still was a loyal Jew, but his conversion revealed to him that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the fulfillment of the law. Next, the Romans decided to let him go to the Sanhedrin. So now Paul had to stand in front of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish high court, and ask for an account. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, my brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all conscience to this day. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law. Let you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Paul was human, and he got angry, just like us. He lost his temper. I know I lose my temper at times, and I say things I don't want to say. Then he mouthed off, 
and he insulted the high priest, which was a big insult. Compare that to Jesus, the God-man, who's both fully God and fully man. When Jesus was struck, he remained silent and did not lash out. So we're a lot more like Paul. We try to be like Jesus, but we're a lot more like Paul. The Sanhedrin was in an uproar now. Paul was witty, though. He decided to uh, give a redirect and flip the script. And he did that uh, to everyone in there. He, he pitted the Pharisees against the Sadducees by claiming that he was, he was a Pharisee and he was on trial because of his belief in the resurrection of the dead. And as we know, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees did not. So instead of the focus on him now, they were arguing amongst themselves. And the Pharisees said, so it was brilliant. The Pharisees said, we find no fault in this man. <laughs> so now he had people on his side in there. And he even said, my brothers, I'm a Pharisee. I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. Acts 23.6. One of the most interesting things that I found, and I mentioned this earlier, was that Jesus spoke to Paul multiple times along his, his journey, along his path. He had several encounters with Jesus along his missionary career. And we know the most famous, I mentioned, was the conversion story on the road to Damascus. After his conversion, though, we talked about it in Jerusalem. God met him again and told him he needs to go to be with the Gentiles. In Corinth, he was, be, he was a little discouraged because all of his churches, not all of his churches were following it. And after he was gone a little while, they kind of went back to the way they were. And he encouraged them, and he told them, do not be afraid, keep on speaking. And now that he was back in Jerusalem in Caesarea, Jesus stood near Paul while Paul was in prison and told him to take courage because he'd also have to testify in Rome. So he's letting them know, you're not going to die here. I still have work for you to do in Rome. When we hear the, the still small voice or something that we think is speaking to us, or we read the word and something comes out of it, do we listen to it or do we ignore it? I know I'm guilty of ignoring it sometimes. And, uh, and I want to get closer to Jesus, so I need to be listening for Jesus when he's talking to me. I next lay out the parallels and similarities uh, between Jesus and Paul. Because there were many parallels and similarities. Both of them were rejected by their own people. They were arrested without cause and put in prison. They were both unjustly accused by false witnesses and slapped in the face in court. I'll tell you, I'd rather be punched in the face, I think, than slapped in the face, especially in front of a bunch of people. And we know the famous slap incident that happened just recently. Uh, between Will Smith and Chris Rock. And I got to tell you, Chris Rock handled that pretty good. You know, in front of the whole world on stage, I was really impressed with that because how quickly can our tempers flare just from driving sometimes or somebody cutting us off? Or, uh, so, wow. My respect level for Chris Rock just went way up after that. But Paul and Jesus were both slapped in the face too. And... Uh, and in court, and, and they didn't deserve it, but that's what they got. In both cases between Jesus and Paul, there's a secret plot to kill them, and they had to hear the crowd screaming, rid the earth of him, he is not fit to live. Can you imagine hearing that? Both Jesus and Paul were accused three times, but found innocent three times in a Roman court. Wow. The Romans found them innocent, yet Jesus was crucified still, and Paul eventually would lose his life for his faith. 
They also each had to endure and were subjected to five different trials, which, uh, which I'll talk about next. Following his three epic journeys to spread the gospel, Paul would now have to endure five trials and give a defense at each one of them. We've covered the first two here, in front of the crowd and at the Sanhedrin. The last three trials will be covered in the weeks ahead. So this, this last box that I had had Paul and Jesus in, in two boxes here. And uh, it basically laid out number one and number two in the trials of each of them. They were by Jewish authorities. On Paul's case, it was the crowd and it was the Sanhedrin. On Jesus' case, it was Annas and the Sanhedrin. And then the next three trials that they both had to go through were from Roman authorities. In Paul's case, Felix, Festus, and King Herod Agrippa II. And in Jesus' case, case, Pontius Pilate sent on to King Herod Antipas and then back to Pontius Pilate again. And he was eventually... So although they were found innocent, you know, Jesus was crucified and Paul eventually uh, uh, was killed as well. So um, following Jesus does not always promise to be the, uh, the easiest path on this earth. We too might have to go through some trials for Jesus' sake. I pray that I'm prepared to do that uh, when required. I do know, and I'll share a story, that uh, I used to struggle with, uh, with alcohol addiction. And in 2003, Jesus completely took that from me. Praise God. I give him all the glory for that. But right after that came a deployment. And usually on deployment, I was, a, I was a, your typical sailor. You'd go out on deployment in all these foreign ports, and you go out and you, you carouse and you drink and you, uh, you do what sailors do. And I was that sailor. And um, this, this deployment was different. This deployment was me as a Christian man. And God blessed me with a Christian roommate in my stateroom. And God blessed me with the guy that led me to Christ because it was on a large aircraft carrier that I deployed. He was in a different section, but he was on that deployment too. So God gave me two, two running mates on that deployment. And I didn't have to, you know, I wasn't invited out with all the guys that I worked with because they knew that hey, Scott's a bummer. He doesn't drink. He's not going to party. We don't need to have a guy like that. So that's hard when you give up something like that. It's hard to have to then live with it. But I'll tell you, I didn't have Jesus sitting there. Jesus is always with us, but he wasn't there speaking into my ear like you hear about with Paul or showing up and standing next to him. But the word, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13 was with me, and that was my verse, the whole cruise. And that helped me get through that six months away from my family and, and this new atmosphere where people looked at me different. And so praise God that he did that for me. And um, he is there for each of us. So when we get those trials that come, do we trust Jesus? Do we keep our eyes fixed on him? That's the question. So discussion questions, uh, I think, are on your table. I think the printout did happen there, so that's good. Have you had to endure hardship? Have you felt persecuted, rejected, or treated badly for your faith in Jesus? Number two, how did you respond in the past when you were falsely accused, threatened, or humiliated? Do you put your hope and trust in Jesus when you endure trials of many kinds? So those are the three questions. Uh, one last thing, I just want to mention that if there's anybody here that feels like they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I would say, come find me. Come find one of your brothers at your table and talk to somebody. Because you can come to church for years. You can go through the motions. 
and you cannot have a personal relationship with Jesus. I know. I did it. And it changes everything. So don't miss out on that because that's the good stuff. Amen. <laughs>